Great to have you guys here online with us today. I want to say a special hello to all of our campuses who are also online with us today. Also, let's say hello to our God Behind Bars guys. We love you guys. We're grateful for you as well. And uh, I know this is very different for most of you who are not used to going to church online, but you are actually joining thousands of people who go all the time online to church with us from all around the world, all around the nation. We also have people in Europe, also the Middle East. We have a lot of military as well that watch us. And so this is their regular church. So we're joining them. Actually, our online campus is our second largest campus between two and 3,000 people every single week. Uh, watch us online, take part, and many of them are actually in life groups as well, online. And, uh, and so we just want to say welcome to every one of you, and uh, thanks for being a part of our service today. In fact, last week I want to say a special thank you to every one of you who just morphed and changed with the times and says, hey, I can't go physically to a location right now. Our president, our government has asked us not to do that so we can curtail this crisis of the coronavirus. And so over 11,000 of you watched online last week. Thank you so much for that. And we pray that that continues to increase so we can take God's word further. So the first thing I like to do, something I do every single week, is to say our mission statement together. Go ahead and say it in your living room as you're standing in front of your phone or your computer. Say this with me, would you? What are we here to do? We're here to take as many people to heaven as we can before we die, period. That's what we're all about here at Church Unlimited. Again, thanks for being a part of our online service today. Today's message I thought would be appropriate because I think many of us right now are getting caught in the short-term inconvenience, frustration, or even fear of what's going on. Now, I'm not trying to say that fear cannot be real. I realize that there are real issues and we really are trying to curtail this because the coronavirus is dangerous for many people. And so we want to do what we can to, to stave off this from turning into a full-blown pandemic. And so thank you again for all that you're doing. I know it's being called a pandemic. It may not be in your town yet or your neighborhood yet, but it is reality. But I don't want you to live in fear because we are doing the right things as Americans. We are doing the right things in fact across all countries. And those who are doing social distancing, the countries have begun to practice this, are seeing great results from it. So I just want to give you some good news. We're hearing that the cases are shrinking dra drastically across the world, especially the countries that are taking the social distancing seriously. So thank you for doing that. We really do appreciate that. Thanks for all the efforts because we are going to get through this together. There's a guy in the Bible who dealt with a crisis. His name was Joseph. In fact, if you study his story, his leadership was built in the middle of a crisis. They went through a massive economic downturn in Egypt and then across the whole world. It affected actually the whole world. And because of that, Joseph's leadership rose during this time in the same way, I believe, if you look in the Bible, over and over in Scripture, you'll see that God raised up leaders in times of crisis. Many of you have been praying a prayer secretly that maybe no one knows about saying, God, use me greatly. God, do great things through my life. Lord, I want to make a difference. I want to make an impact. Maybe God is answering your prayer right now. Because many times when God wants to advance his people, he does it in the middle of economic downturns and crisis and struggles and difficulties. So maybe God is doing something new in you through this. So today's message is called, Take the Long-Term View. Take the long-term view. If you look at the next few weeks, at the next eight, six, eight weeks, it, it can be daunting. You think, oh, my whole world's upside down and this is changes everything. Well, it may change everything for a little while, but it's not going to change everything for, for your whole life. Now, there will be some impacts that we have long-term, but the truth is, is that if you'll take the long-term view, you'll realize that we will get through this. And so I want to give you uh, four simple things you can do, and these are things that people do that do take a long-term view like Joseph did. If you got your notes, you can pull those out. I want you to write some things down, or you can also click on your phone 
or on your computer right now and click on notes, and you'll have the same notes that I'm preaching from right now. Excuse me. So take the long-term view. Joseph did this in his life. Now, Joseph, when he was a teenager, he was the youngest of all his brothers. Um, He was favored by his father. That was not his fault, but he was. So his other brothers hated him because he did not help the situation much because he was so young he didn't realize what he was saying. He he one day came out and said, I had this dream, and in my dream I was like a leader, and all you guys were bowing to me. And he was all excited about it, didn't realize how that was coming across. So his brothers, they hated him for this. They already hated him anyways because they could tell his father, uh, their their father uh, favored him, which was not good. And because of that, and then adding to that, when Joseph just blurted out this dream he had, when he should have kept him to himself, they hated him for it. They actually beat him up, threw him in a hole, didn't tell their father about this, and then sold him into slavery. When he was in Israel, he was then taken to Egypt. So the beginning of God doing great things through Joseph was actually through betrayal, through pain, through massive difficulty, through a total discombobulation of his entire life. Maybe... God's doing a beginning of your leadership through the same type of thing. Maybe God's actually answering your prayer and and your dream to to one day lead and and to do great things with your life. And God's saying, the way I start oftentimes is not the way you would have me start, but it's oftentimes through betrayal, difficulties, things that don't make sense to you that are out of your control. That sounds a lot like a nation I know right now that's going through something. So let's take the long-term view. Joseph had to do this in his life as well. He ended up in the country. He didn't know the language. He didn't know the customs. He didn't look like everyone else. And then he was sold into slavery. Now, I know you may be having a tough time, but I bet you're not getting sold into slavery. You talk about a crisis? That's about as big a crisis as you could possibly get. So he ends up sold into slavery into a guy's home named Potiphar. Potiphar was a powerful man. He was actually a scary guy as well. He was essentially the king of, of Egypt's henchman. He was a guy when, when the king didn't like someone, he'd tell Potiphar, Potiphar, go take care of that. And Potiphar, like, you know, like straight up old school, be like, forget about it. And go take care of the problem, which probably means kill someone, throw them in jail, go beat them up, scare them, that kind of thing. So Potiphar was not a nice guy. And Joseph found himself working under these conditions, under someone who was pretty scary, and he had no choice in the matter. So what did Joseph do? Look at Genesis chapter 39, verses 1 and 2. When Joseph was taken to Egypt by the Ishmaelite traders, he was purchased by Potiphar, an Egyptian officer. Potiphar was captain of the guard for for Pharaoh, the king of Egypt. The Lord was with Joseph, so he succeeded in everything he did as he served in the home of his Egyptian master. This may surprise you, but the biggest opportunity that you and I have in the middle of a crisis, including this coronavirus, is to serve others. It's to make a difference for other people. So many people are rushing to the store to get, you know, make sure you have food and and all the supplies you need in case we're we're told that we have to be quarantined at home. And that may still happen. We don't know. But for those of you who are scared of that, other countries are going through it. Many of them are on the other side of it and they're doing fine. They're doing better because of it. So even though it's a little scary, we'll be okay. And so many people are thinking about themselves, making sure they have their medications and their groceries and everything they need and everything was situated But we actually have to, as Christians, think beyond ourselves and say, do other people have their medications and their groceries, and are they going to be okay? How can we help others? So it's important that we shift gears, just like Joseph, rather than saying, I shouldn't be a slave, and this was wrong, and I'm really a free man, and I've been sold unfairly, and this is... He, he didn't walk around telling that story to everyone because first he realized no one cared. First of all, just to be honest, the average person doesn't really care about our own plight. We're concerned about it, but... Instead, he shifted, like we have to shift and say, I consider and complain about how I was treated unfairly, and this happened to me, and it was wrong. And you can park in that, and you can stay a victim, or you can say, you know what, Lord? Rather than being focused on what happened to me or what I've been through, I'm going to get my eyes off myself, and I'm going to get my eyes on 
on helping other people. So the first thing we see Joseph did is something you and I can do today too. Number one, serve others. Begin to serve others. Here at Church Unlimited, we've always been about service. And so we just started to think practically, what can we do to help others right now? And so I want to give you another verse real quick to explain what we're going to do. It says in Proverbs 23, verse 23, get the facts at any price and hold on tightly to all the good sense you can get. What that means is that we need to make sure we have the facts and not the opinion. And right now, if you go online, everyone's all over the place on what's actually happening with this coronavirus. So let me give you a couple of facts here that will help hopefully calm you down. The first is this, is that you're probably not in the population of people that are really in danger because it's typically for people who have a pre-existing condition, for example, diabetes, maybe heart disease or cancer, something like that, which means their body's already being taxed, trying to bring healing to itself, or you are part of the older population with some kind of pre-existing condition as well. If you look closely at the deaths that have actually happened, we know that most of the people are older. And so they're the most vulnerable to this. And so keep, please keep that in mind. So in case you're scared at age 22, you're probably okay. If you're scared at age 45 or 50, you're probably okay. But if you have a pre-existing condition, then the social distancing is even more important for you. What that means is we can make a difference. We can actually help out. We do need to continue to do the social distancing. That's why we're not, we're not having church. We're also not meeting um, in even smaller groups because they want to keep us 10 or below for right now uh, in, in any kind of meeting or event. And so that's why we're doing it this way. But I want to tell you something we're going to do as a church. We're going to help people. And here's how we can do that. We've set up a help hotline number. If you are older or have a pre-existing condition that makes you vulnerable to the coronavirus. We want to encourage you stay at home, and I want to give you two ways to contact us, and we will help you out. I, I just recently called my own parents. My mom and dad are older in age. I would never say the age of my mother because I would get in serious trouble for that. But anyways, uh, but I will tell you this, that uh, we, we both, my sister and I both have called my parents and said, when you need to go to the store, we'll go for you. When you need prescriptions, we'll go get them for you. We don't want you being out. And so we're trying to help them and keep them safe. In the same way, maybe you are listening to this right now and you're thinking, I don't have a child near me that can help out. Well, guess what? You have a church near you that can help out. So please look on the screen and write this number down. We have a phone number. You can call us at, at 361-360-1540. Uh, or you can email us at help at churchunlimited.com. Call us or email us, and we're going to assign you to one of our life groups. And what's going to happen is that life group is going to simply love on you and just say, what do you need? And frankly, if you just need to talk with someone, because sometimes just being alone is tough, and you're being told not to go out, and uh, maybe that's hard for you. We just want to call you once a week and check up on you, just care for you, and just say, how you doing? How can we pray for you? Or maybe in a practical way, you say, you know, honestly, I'm almost out of toilet paper. My prescriptions are almost out. I'm, I'm almost out of food. Then we will be glad to go to the store for you and help get what you need. And so we want to be your personal shift, your personal uh, you know, catering service to help you get what you need with minimum contact. We want to be here to help you. And maybe you're excited about this and you want to email us and say, hey, I want to help out. I want to be a difference maker for someone else. First of all, just think about who you already know in your life that's older or vulnerable and simply reach out to them and simply say, hey, how can I help you? Or maybe you don't know anyone like that, but you know you want to make a difference. You can help today. Aren't we glad that we're a part of a church in a real practical way that can help out during a time of need? Once again, that phone number is 361-360-1540, or you can email us at help at churchunlimited.com, and we will make sure you get the help you need, because I want you to know something. Not only does God love you, we love you. Not only is there a God who, who loves you, but God 
has put some, some people on assignment to help you. Maybe you've been praying, Lord, I need a little help. Guess what? God just said, I'm answering your prayer, and I'm doing it through the local church. And so you tell us how we can help, and we want to be there for you. You know why? Because Joseph, rather than being focused on himself during a time of crisis, he realized, you know what? All I know to do right now is do what I'm told and help out. And so I want to encourage you to serve others, put other people first. What does this mean? You know how Joseph advanced his life? He didn't make it about himself. He made it about finding a need and filling it, finding a hurt and healing it. And if you will focus your life on those two things, it's incredible how God will do great things through you and bring great things to you. If you'll simply find a need and fill it, find a hurt and heal it, God can use you greatly in people's lives. So here's what happens next in Joseph's life. It seems to get worse, not better, which is also very common. Where You say, man, I'm just trying to do something right, just trying to serve God, and then this happened, right? And this is one of the greatest tests we all face is in the middle of doing something good, it seems like no good deed goes unpunished, right? You're like, man, I'm trying to help people, and then this happens to me. I'm just right when I got serious about honoring God and making a difference. All of a sudden, my life fell apart. That's because there's an enemy that wants to stop you from doing good. And so in the same way, Joseph is just trying to help out. He organizes Potiphar's home. He gets everything in, in the right place. He helps turn Potiphar's businesses around. The problem was Potiphar had a wife who was a little crazy and went for Joseph. And Joseph refused her advances to the point where she finally literally physically grabbed him. I can only imagine how this was a rated R scene in the Bible and attacked him like she wanted to be with him. And he said, no, I can't do this. You're not my wife. This would dishonor God. It would dishonor Potiphar. So he ran from her. In fact, she was so much getting a hold of him that, 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 that he had to let her have his coat rather than him stay in it and get out of there. So she was left holding his coat. She then, this is the crazy part, screamed rape People came running in and she said, Potter, you know, Joseph tried to take advantage of me. I mean, she was lying through her teeth. It's unbelievable. Well, Potiphar believed his wife and had Joseph, the guy who had helped turn his whole business and his whole family and everything around, all his business affairs, had him thrown into prison. Maybe that's where you're at. Maybe you're like, I've tried to do this and serve others and be there for people. And then this happens to me. Stay faithful. The Christian life is an endurance game. Stay faithful if you'll continue to serve and make a difference, God can do great things through you. This is one of the biggest tests that we will all face is while we're serving others, we'll be betrayed by the same people we serve. We'll be hurt by the same people we serve. You've got to stay faithful anyways. If you can learn to do that, God can do great things through you. And so there's also three phases that we see in Joseph's career, so to speak. Even though he didn't see that as a career, he was just trying to get through life. There really are three phases. The first phase in serving others means that this is where we have to learn just to shut up and serve. It's hard to do that, and this is why many people get stuck in this, because they think, I'm just not respected. People don't want to hear my opinion, and I don't mean this ugly, but when you start your, 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 your uh, career, you're right. No one wants to hear your opinion. I'm not trying to be ugly. I'm just telling you, you just showed up. You just got the job. You, you just got the internship, and so you really do have to learn to just shut up and serve. I mean, basically, Joseph had to just do whatever he was told, and because he did do whatever he was told, eventually, they do want to hear from him, but not at the beginning. So if you feel, oh, these people don't respect me, and they just don't, they, they, they don't have reason to yet you got to serve long enough for them to go, hey, this, this guy really gets it. This guy really cares. And, and eventually, they will ask you what you think, how you think you could do things a little better and make some changes. But don't start off with that. Keep your opinion to yourself and just serve. If you will do this, I'm talking to young people right now, starting off your career, if you'll simply wake up every morning and say, how can I be helpful? It's incredible how God will begin to raise you up as a leader. Now, here's what happens. He gets thrown in prison. So what does he do? Does he start saying, this isn't fair. This isn't right. He probably told a few people that. But then he settled down, controlled his emotions, and realized, well, I'm here. 
I might as well be of service. I might as well make a difference. And guess what he did? He did the same thing in the prison that he had done in Potiphar's home. Let's pick up in Scripture, Genesis 39, verse, 20, uh, verse 19. Potiphar was furious, so he took Joseph and threw him into the prison where the king's prisoners were held. But the Lord was with Joseph in the prison and showed him his faithful love. And the Lord made Joseph a favorite with the prison warden. You know, we have ministries in prisons. Did you, did you hear that, guys? That meant that God's hand was on Joseph while he was in prison. God advanced him while he was behind bars. Don't tell me that your life is over. God can do new things in and through you while you are behind bars. God is not finished with you. It says that he became a favorite to the prison warden. And so what did the warden do? He put Joseph in charge of, of everything that happened in the prison. He was the man. He was in charge. The warden had no more worries because Joseph took care of everything. That's the same phrase that was used earlier with Potiphar, by the way, if you read the scripture. Potiphar had no worries. All he was worried about was what I'm going to have for dinner tonight because Joseph's got everything. The warden said the same thing, basically. The only thing I have to worry about is what we're going to have for dinner tonight. Joseph's running everything. And so we see a pattern of service here. If we look at the patterns in your life, will we see a pattern of selfishness or a pattern of service? If you make it a pattern of service, God can do great things through you. It says the Lord was with him and caused everything he did to succeed. The second thing we can do to take a long-term view, no matter what's going on in your life, is to work hard and get organized. Work hard and get organized. Some of you are hard workers, but are you organized? In other words, like you come home from a hard day's work and you just plop down on the couch and watch Netflix or go online and just, you know, scoot around the internet all night. Uh, what does your office look like? Where's your car look like? Where's your garage look like? Could this be in this crisis season when we're having to do some social distancing, an opportunity to kind of clean some things up, to tidy some things up, to maybe get your affairs in order? I think taxes are going to be due pretty soon. Sounds like an opportunity to get that done. And so there's all kinds of things we can do during this time that we think, oh, I can't be productive. I can't go do this. I can't do that. What can you do? You can take care of you. You can take care of your household. You can take care of your room. You can organize things. You can throw some stuff out. You can, you can be busy making your life better. So I want to challenge you to work hard at work and come home and keep working. Don't turn it off yet and do some things. I'm not trying to say not to have some rest and some entertainment. That's fine. But I want to encourage you not to just do rest and entertainment, but to actually organize your life. Take the time to tidy things up, get things in order. Now, if you fast forward in Joseph's life, he stays faithful with this for a long time. Um, there's some guys who come into the prison that work closely with the king. He meets them. They have these crazy dreams. They want to know what they mean. And then Joseph interprets their, their dream for them during this time. Now, if you're, if you're taking some notes inside your notes, uh, just give you a couple points. First of all, we see that he starts off in serving. The second thing we, we see him do is he interprets these guys' dreams. And so he goes from low rung in the totem pole, if you're, if you're creating a career path, to the next level is what? It's like a mid-management. So he's managing a prison. What that tells me is that not only did he know how to interpret dreams that are told uh, that, that are told to him that people dream at night, he's apparently good at interpreting dreams during the day. And what that means is, is that he knew what does the prison warden really want. He wants things to run smooth. He wants not to worry about stuff. So he interpreted, this is what the prison warden really wants, so I'm going to give him that. And so you want to know what mid-management is in any company? It's you interpreting your boss's dream and executing it. It's you doing exactly what they're saying. You know, it would be great if I could just get this organized and if I could just get some profitability. If I, and so you interpret that and you go get it done. That's the next level in your career and your ministry and your opportunities. And so until you get good at interpreting the dream of those above you, you won't get that position. And so I want to encourage you with that as well. Work hard and get organized. Well, while he's in prison, some guys come in, they have these dreams. They're wondering what these dreams mean. And someone says, hey, you know, Joseph, 
He knows how to interpret dreams. You should ask him. He interprets both their dreams. I'm, I'm speeding up the story here, but, but he, he unfortunately tells one of the guys, well, your dream means the, the king is going to kill you. I'm really sorry. And then the other one, he said, the king's going to restore you is what your dream means. Well, both those dreams came true. Well, when the guy who got restored to the king's service again, when he was leaving, Joseph said, hey, don't forget about me. Don't forget, let the king know I can help him out. Let him know how organized we are down here. Everything's going good. Let him know. Well, he totally forgets about him. Ever been forgotten? You ever felt like, like you're working hard, you're serving, and some of you right now are frustrated even hearing the sermon saying, but I'm doing all that. I'm interpreting the dreams of my boss. I'm doing everything. And it's just like they just forgot about me. Listen, every one of us feel left behind. Every one of us feel like everyone's getting ahead but us. Every one of us feels like our time's never going to come. But if you'll stay faithful, remember the Christian life is what? An endurance game. Take the long-term view. Stay at it. You are probably way closer to being recognized, way closer to being promoted than you realize. Don't blow it in the last few minutes of the game. You're so close to the win. Stay faithful even when you feel like someone has forgotten about you. Well, guess what? The king has a dream. He doesn't know what it means. And the guy who got reinstated, who was served by Joseph, then remembers when the king says, I wish someone could interpret my dream. I wish I knew what this meant. I brought in all my advisors. And none of them have any clue what this means. This is so frustrating. I just need someone to interpret my dream. And the guy standing beside him holding his drink says, uh, I just remember someone that can do that. Pharaoh, uh, there's a guy in your prison. And he says, my prison? Yeah, right below us in your prison. There's a guy named Joseph, and he can interpret dreams. Really? Bring him up. So Joseph gets his big break. And by the way, you know what you do in your big break when you're finally, I'm done with serving everyone, all that. No, you know what you do when you get your big break? You continue to serve. So you never get away from serving. Each one of these steps that you take, never get away from serving others. When you get into a mid-manager type position, you're continuing to serve others. You build on these things one step at a time. So you work hard, you get organized, and then he goes before the king. He says, King, I understand you have a dream. How can I help you? You know what he didn't say? He didn't say, oh, I've been treated so unfairly. I shouldn't even be here. I shouldn't be a slave. My brothers, he didn't do that. He didn't spill all his story. If you walk around spilling your story of, of sorrow and defeat to everyone, no, listen, I don't mean it's ugly. They don't want to hear it. You know why? Because we all have that story. All of us have gone through some things unfair. Instead, what? Joseph. Shut up and serve. You're in front of the king. This is your opportunity not to tell your stuff. This is your opportunity to let the king tell you what he wants and then to interpret his dream. So he says to the king, how can I help you, sir? He doesn't say, I shouldn't be here. You need to call my dad. You're not going to believe. He didn't do that. How can I help you, sir? Well, I had this dream, and I don't know what it means, and maybe you can help me out. And so he says, please tell me your dream, because I believe the Lord can do it. He uses it as a witnessing opportunity. Your service is always the greatest witnessing opportunity you have when you serve others. And so guess what? He says, my God can interpret dreams. Please tell me a dream and I bet my God can help us. The king tells him the dream and then he says, yep, okay, mm-hmm, I hear you, uh-huh, yes, sir, anything else? Uh-huh, okay. Sir, I think I know what your dream means. I think God is telling me exactly what your dream means. So let's pick up the scripture, Genesis 41, verse 17. So Pharaoh told Joseph his dream. God has revealed to Pharaoh in advance what he is about to do. This is Joseph telling him the dream. The next seven years will be a period of great prosperity throughout the land of Egypt. But afterwards, there will be seven years of famine so great that all the prosperity will be forgotten in Egypt. Famine will destroy the land. This famine will be so severe that even the memory of the good years will be erased. It's going to be so bad, you're going to forget all the good times, is what he's telling him. So then he goes on to say, but you know what? That's going to happen. Don't be, don't, don't be upset, Pharaoh. 
I think I've got an answer for you. By the way, those who get ahead don't bring problems to their boss. They bring answers. They bring solutions. They don't walk in and go, I don't know what to do. They walk in and go and say, I don't know what to do, but I've, I've investigated it, and I've got three opportunities. I've got three different options. Sir, which one would you like me to do? Ma'am, which one would you like me to do? So you bring solutions. So what does he say next? There, therefore, Pharaoh should find an intelligent and wise man and put him in charge of the entire land of Egypt. Then Pharaoh should appoint supervisors over the land and let them collect one-fifth of the crops during the seven good years. Have them to uh, gather all the food produced in the good years that are just ahead and bring it to Pharaoh's storehouses. Store it away and guard it where there will be food in the cities. That way there will be enough to eat when the seven years of famine come to the land of Egypt. Otherwise, this famine will destroy the land. Do you understand that Joseph just laid out a 14-year plan? Guys, oftentimes, the longest-term view we take is to our next vacation. If you are not thinking decades in advance, don't expect to do big things. We've got to think further than two years from now, further than five years from now. What can God do through you in a decade, in two decades, in three decades? We need to be thinking further down the line for God to do great things through us. Proverbs 13, 16 says, Every prudent man, prudent means you think about the future. Every prudent man acts with knowledge, but a fool displays his folly. We've got to think further down the road. And so the third thing that we should be doing to take the long-term view, this may seem simple, but it's practical, save money. Save money. Now, many of you are in the market right now and you're panicking. Oh, I've lost all this money. You haven't lost anything yet until you sell that stock. Don't sell it. Take the long-term view. It's going to go back up. In fact, even today, yesterday it went way down. Today it went way up. But don't get all excited. Tomorrow it's going to go down again. And it's going to go way back. Why? Because the market's all over the place. Why? Because of the coronavirus. But for those of you who are like, oh, I'm so panicked. I should just pull the money. Don't, 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 don't do that. Take the long-term view. In fact, the truth is when it goes way, way down instead of getting scared, put more money in. Why? Because stocks are on sale right now. This is an opportunity. And when does God advance his people? In the middle of panic. When we trust God in panic, when everyone says, oh, I should sell my stock. I'm like, don't sell your stock. Buy. Buy at discounts right now. I'm not trying to say to time it out perfectly. You're not going to be able to do that. You should be saving whatever the market is. Just continue to save, whether it's the stock market or real estate or whatever your savings of choice is. I want to encourage you, take the long-term view. This is a hiccup. Every time there's been great market dips, by the way, guess what? What follows them? Up times. People always forget that. Oh, all you see on the news is, this is the greatest drop in stock market history, right? But they're not going to report the next day that it's the greatest increase in stock market history. Surprise, surprise. Because markets that go up do go down. Don't freak out. And markets that go down do go up. Don't freak out. Instead, what? Stay faithful. Save some money. You want to do big things for God, you've got to become a saver. If you're not a saver, let this crisis change your mind right now and become a saver. That's what he does. He saves. He simply helps Pharaoh. Pharaoh says, I want to employ you. You're smart. You know what you're doing. You interpret the dream. So will you? I've already heard about the prison. Uh, I asked the prison warden about you. He's, he's actually mad at me because he wants me to, he wants to keep you because <laughs> you're so good. But I need you here. I want you to help run this whole kingdom. So then he takes uh, Joseph, Mr. Prisoner, Mr. Slave, pulls a ring off his finger. He says, come here, put this on your finger. Boom. Now you have my authority. And he goes and says, I hereby declare that Joseph is now the COO of Egypt, chief operating officer. Everyone listen to him. Can you imagine how that freaked and frustrated everyone around the king going, are you kidding me? You're going to let this kid, which means this, if you'll stay faithful, God will give you an opportunity that no man can stop. 
You stay faithful to God. He's got you. And in an instant, God can do more to advance you than man can ever do. But when God advances you, no man can stop it. Just be encouraged today. God has a plan for you. So guess what? God uses Joseph greatly. He ends up getting a wife, kids. He's got a flourishing career. He's saving like crazy. Not only does Joseph save Egypt, he truly saves the entire Middle East and the whole world. He had saved enough grain in seven years that they literally could have a hard time storing it. And that grain, which was really cheap when he was saving it, turned into gold by the time everyone was starving to death. In the process of that, his own brothers, who were now grown, had their own families, had come not knowing Joseph wasn't dead. They had no idea what happened to him. They just figured he just was killed or something. They came all the way to Egypt to buy grain because there was nowhere else to eat, nowhere else to get food. They were desperate, and they met up with Joseph, not even realizing who, they didn't even recognize him. He was so different. The position, he was, he was such, such a high up position, dressed like an Egyptian, sounded like an Egyptian at this point. They didn't even recognize him because he's now a grown man. And in the same way, when God is through with you, your own friends and your own family won't even recognize you with what he has for you in your life. They came face to face with him. They just simply bowed, sir, we need to buy grain. Joseph recognized him, them. They didn't recognize him. They freak out through a series of tests. He's challenging their heart to find out really who they are. And at the very end, he says, I am your brother. He breaks down crying. They can't believe it. They're scared of him, thinking he's so powerful, he could just have him killed. Eventually, they come to him and they say, Joseph, thank you. You've saved our lives because Joseph moved them all to Egypt, gave them land. I mean, he really hooked them up because Joseph was a very wealthy guy. Can I mention one thing about the wealth of Joseph, by the way? Did you know he was never the boss? Those of you who say, well, if I just was the boss, if I could just be in charge of my own, you don't have to do that. Joseph was never the boss, yet God gave him great authority and great impact. Please don't think you have to go start your own thing for God to use you greatly. He was never the boss, not even once. Yet, he had incredible influence, incredible opportunity. So what happens? Check out the scripture in Genesis chapter, chapter 50. It says this, Please forgive your brothers for the great wrong they did to you, for their sin is treating, in treating you so cruelly. When Joseph received the message, he broke down and wept. Now he, was, he, he, he wept because it was, what they did to him was wrong. It, it hurt him deeply, but it doesn't mean he didn't forgive him. It just was a deep wound. Maybe you have a deep wound today. Maybe you're thinking, what does this have to do with the crisis just because I've been hurt in the past? It has nothing to do with it. It has everything to do. You know why? Because you know what crisis also does? It causes us to recognize that there are certain things more important than our hurts. Maybe you've been mad at someone for a long time. Please don't make cancer be what finally gets you to forgive them. Please don't wait for tragedy to strike before you finally forgive them. Recognize there's something greater than your hurts, and that's the healing God wants to do in you and through you towards others. Look at the scripture. It says in Genesis 50, verse 20, he said this. When they said, would you please forgive us? Please don't have us kill Joseph. Joseph says, what are you talking I'm not going to do that. And then he says this. You intended to harm me, but God intended it all for good. He brought me to this position so I could save the lives of many people. No, don't be afraid. I will continue to take care of you and your children. So he reassured them by speaking kindly to them. Basically, what he did, number four, is he forgave others. And I want to challenge you during this time that when you finally stop and recognize that life is more valuable, not because of the money you make, not because of your 401k, not because of all the busy things we do during, the, during life, but the truth is when everything seems to be coming to a standstill and there's a real crisis going on, this is a time we realize, you know what really matters? Relationships, family, friends, people to people. That's what life is really all about. And so I want to encourage you to forgive someone. You're thinking, wow, I didn't see that coming. I thought this was about the crisis and coronavirus. It is about that. 
And in crisis, it's a good time to stop and realize there's something more valuable than your hurt. Forgive. You know what the word forgive means? Let's break it down. Forgive. For means before. So before they ask you, forgive them. Before they deserve it, forgive them. Before they come to you, forgive them. Before they ever even, they may never ask. They may never come to you. So before you're waiting on them to do that, before, give them grace. For, give. You know what? Someone else, before you asked, before you even needed it, before you were even born, before he gave his life. Jesus died for you so he could forgive you. He knew you needed salvation, so before you asked, he had already gone to the cross. Would you bow your heads with me right now, every head bowed, every eye closed, and we take a moment across all of this online platform today. Maybe you come to one of our physical campuses, maybe you don't, either way. We're one church today. We have been forgiven. Jesus, before we asked, gave his life. Now he waits for you in this moment to receive what he has already given to you. He's just waiting for you to receive it. So with your head bowed and your eyes closed, during this moment of crisis, when we're thinking about what really matters in life, where are you with God? Do you know Jesus? You can receive him right now. God sent his own son, Jesus, to die on the cross for your sins and for mine. Now he waits for you to receive him. You can pray this prayer right now and receive Christ as your Lord and as your Savior. Say this prayer with me. You can say, Dear Jesus, I realize I need you. I believe you died for my sin. And I believe you rose again. You forgave me for all I've done. So Jesus, please forgive me now for my sin. Come in my heart. I repent of my sin. I put you in first place. Thank you, Jesus, for saving me. In your name we pray. Amen. Isn't God good? His word is so true.